of the 80s? The Rewind 80s Mixtape Tour is performing at the Albury Entertainment Centre Saturday, May 8th. Performing all the greaties from the 80s, you're in for a ripper night. Step back in time and get your tickets now. AlburyEntertainmentCentre.com.au What a start, huh? Fucking got your moccasins on for this shit. Fucking how exciting. <laughs> Good on you guys. I'm Jay Jovi. I'm Sammy Hardon. Welcome to and the 80s And this is the montage. 80s montage. Oh, in sync. We've had a very busy day and a very busy week. We have and I'm going to put me Winnie Blues under my fucking T-shirt. Oh, is it that kind of territory for you, is it? for me, big time. Is it really? See, he and his music were very big in Australia. Mm. We're not talking about Meatloaf. No. We're talking about the man who wrote the hits, Jim Steinman, guys. Mm. He died just recently. He just died the other week. He died a couple of weeks ago, very sadly. And so there's been a lot of uh, things popping up online about Jim and uh, his body of work and his life. He was much loved by the artists that he collaborated with. But, like, just incredible guy, really bright, really creative. And we just thought we'd enjoy his music one last time and play a couple of Jim, Jim Steinman written tracks. And uh, talk about the artist that he worked with a little bit and and uh, celebrate his life. So How good. Were you a fan of this, of his music? Well, you know, I've talked in the past before about how um, Meatloaf's first album, Bad Out of Hell, was the first album in our household. Oh, it was really mm-hmm. big. What I might do, how about I do a little – Recap because things started for Jim in the seventy late seventies. Yeah. So how about I bring us all up to speed? Yeah. Do a bit of a recap, and then we can sort of dive into the eighties and then absolutely. Yeah, sweet. All right. So Jim Steinman, guys out there, who's a Jim Steinman fan? Me. No. You're awesome. I so, like um, I can be. Yeah. What he? Oh, I know that you love one song in particular of his. You've talked about it before. Um. Jim Steinman was born November 1, 1947 in New York State. 
Yep. He had a Jewish background. He would have been best friends with Sammy. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's right. He would have. From like a really early age, he like sort of had a really – uh, really strong connection to music as a writer. Like he could, he could sort of um, write music. He could uh, play a lot of instruments and just loved music. Lived and breathed music. He went on to study, eventually study, and he he did a lot of his sort of, I guess, creative formation in and around New York. So he was sort of right in the midst of the action. And this is sort of in and around the the late 1960s, which which would have been an incredible time in New York. Mm. Um, 60s and 70s in New York, sort of coming out of flower power and into disco, would have been mm. absolutely incredible in New mm. York. Um, he was sort of hanging around a lot of people um, in those sort of New York, in that New York era like Bette Midler when she was starting out in her career. Um, the guys who sort of worked and collaborated on Rocky Horror Picture Show yeah. and produced that show. There was a lot of really weird exploratory sort of vaudeville stuff coming out of New York at this time. And this is sort of – this is where like Jim was forming a lot of his aesthetic and his writing and stuff, a lot of the stuff he was interested in. In I'm, I'm trying oh, – like I'm really punching through. I'll go through really quick. That's right. In 1969, he released a show called The Dream Machine, which was a musical. So he started doing sort of um, adaptations uh, adaptations of plays. He used to do – he used to do um, – uh, adaptations of Bertolt Brecht plays. That Bertolt Brecht's like a German playwright who's like, you know, adored in in sort of theatre circles. Um, Bowie used to love Brecht as well. Bowie did a whole album that was sort of uh, based on Brecht. Anyway, so so Jim Steinman, Steinman wrote his own his own material after this and it was called The Dream Machine. It was loosely based on Peter Pan where you had like a tribe, you know, a tribe of boys. There was another tribe. There was a girl that sort of the lead guy was um, – lead, the lead guy was attracted to and so forth. So it was a little bit sort of uh, West Side Story yeah, yeah, and a yeah. little bit kind of – yeah, a little bit West Side Story where, where – you know, the leader of this tribe was attracted to a chick from over here and they weren't allowed to love each other and all that kind of shit, you know. Um, very popular sort of story basis. It was apparently incredible, apparently amazing. Everybody sort of from that time in New York remembers it and it really launched Jim onto the scene. He uh, he would write another musical in 1973 called More Than You Deserve and it was here that he would he meet a young actor called Michael Aday, real name Marvin Lee Aday or better known as Meatloaf. Wow. Meatloaf was an actor bef well before he was a singer. Yeah. Um, and they would st sort of start collaborating on stuff. Meatloaf was um, in the original cast of Rocky Horror Picture Show. You may remember mm -hmm. him from the film. He was, you know, in the film. Now, he wasn't actually – when he did the film of Rocky Horror Picture Show, he wasn't famous. He wasn't famous back then. He was sort of, you know, Michael Aday. I think he used to refer to himself as Meatloaf. It was like a sort of stage name or a moniker. Um, but he wasn't sort of like famous meatloaf bat out of hell. None of that had happened, yeah? So he had done um, uh, Rocky Horror Show in the late 70s, a couple of things. 
And in about – they wanted to work together though because Meatloaf had this incredible sort of tenor voice and Jim Steinman was writing these – Jim Steinman's style is sort of like rock and roll music mixed with opera. And if you can yeah. imagine sort of riding on the back of a Harley and just going full throttle down the highway – the music that you'd be listening to, that's Jim Steinman. That's the best way of sort of describing it. Yeah. So Funny you and say you'll that. you'll Yeah, yeah. You will you'll hear this. You'll hear that very that very sort of analogy as we sort of dot through the songs that we're gonna play in this episode. So in about seventy five, they start they had sort of recorded demos for Bat Out of Hell. And they couldn't find a recording deal for the life of them. Mm. They were sort of auditioning the material around at different recording studios for two and a half years. They got rejected with that material for two and a half years. But they believed in it so much they just kept going. Eventually got uh, picked up by, by a studio. They recorded in 76 and they released it in 77. It did really well in Australia. It did really well Aussies in the UK. Loved it. Yeah, it took a little while in the US till it got picked up. I think it, I think it got played on SNL or something like that mm-hmm. in the late 70s. And because all those guys were hanging out at each other, you know, it's like the New York crowd, the New York sort of artistic crowd. They played it on SNL. I think that was one of the one of the sort of catalysts which sort of helped it really really lift. And it's gone on to become like one of the biggest selling albums in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but out of hell, fucking incredible. Like a rock opera. Like yeah. fucking incredible. It's sort of, it's actually quite confronting and exhausting to listen to. Like it's so. So exhausting. There's so much in it. There's yeah. so much in it. And the whole Jim Steinman sound is just all about excess. And they used to, they used to say to him sort of, uh, you go so over the top with your music, like it's so full. And he said something like, how are you meant to see the other side if you don't go to the top? You know, if you don't go over the top, how are you meant to see everything on the other side? So, he, you know, he was really aware that he had this sort of larger than life sound. Um, and basically, Meatloaf and Jim Steinman, the, the Meatloaf act was Jim Steinman and Meatloaf, you know. it was it, Jim sort of wrote the songs completely. He wrote that first album completely and Meatloaf delivered all the material. And it was sort of like a, a singer-songwriting duo like Bernie Torp, Torpin and yeah. Elton John. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, that, so there you go. You've established Meatloaf and you, you've established Jim Steinman and we're up to 1980. How's that for a recap? Absolutely. So... You've given us a lift, list of 80 songs. Now, I put them on the machine and Jim Steinman's music to me and the lyrics and the way the music lands yeah. is like a guy that fucking wants to talk all night and not root you. <laughs> like I just did. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I went through a period where I had a lot of men that were afraid to come near me, just chat to me the whole night and then you'd be like, fuck, what are they doing, you know? They'd be telling you their life story before they stuck it in and I don't care about your life story. But I do appreciate him but he was very bogan for the 80s when it came to uh, culture, you know? 
Why? Why do you think it was that he sort of resonated with the Bogan Aussie crowd? I don't know. He's like the Bogan Aussie crowd were always on show with their personalities all the time. Like they were always uh, yeah. on show and in their cars and everything was a fucking show. And yeah, and if yeah. you didn't watch it, then you know they didn't give a shit. But yeah, it was yeah. like to get a girlfriend, you had to be on show the whole time. So I get that. I'm thinking I get that. maybe that might have been it. Where that's a very good theory. You know, like. These songs are showing you more than you need to know before you actually, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you can just imagine it sort of all of this mu- music pumping in a fucking, you know. And it's in, masculine in fucking, rock and with a bit of emotion in it. Yeah, that's right. So and they, the, look, the writing's fucking incredible. The, the stories within these songs are fucking incredible. Yeah. See, my old man used to love Meatloaf big time. And yeah, the right. The story right. with the girls singing and the duo and all that stuff, and yeah, well, I kind of yeah. never got it. But it was it's always really good like, to look back at. It was always really bawdy and about kind of you know, sex and partying and drinking and drugs and shit and you know, always very kind of sex orientated. I remember kind of listening when I was a little kid to that first album and being like, Oh fuck, you know. Yeah. I was terrified by it all. But like yeah. so so compelled, you know, I loved it as well. But um yeah, fucking amazing. So that first song that we listened to I believe was written sort of back in the 70s, but they held it off for the second album. Um, so that was Dead Ringer. You would have heard Cher. Cher mm. was the sort of – it was a duet between Meatloaf and Cher. And um, you've got to go back and you've got to check out the film clip as well. The film the film clip is fucking great. Can you remember the film clip? Um, vaguely. I see I would hear this music and just go and make popcorn or something, you know, like Oh really? It wasn't a really nah, it didn't tap into me at all. Too yeah. fucking long a story. You know, okay. like come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Just you know. But I do like some of the songs we're looking at tonight. I love yeah. some of the songs yeah. we're looking at. Yeah. Meatloaf. I I don't think I can say I've ever been a huge fan, but yeah. it was just seventies older guys with cars that would put it up really loud. It was your first record you put up really loud as you drove yes. down the street, unless it was Super Tramp, but usually yeah. it was either that or Meatloaf. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's brilliant. I love mm-hmm. that. I love that visualization. That's awesome. I um I love Cher's vocal on Dead Ringer. It's like quintessential Cher. It's great. You know. And even better than her. Like it yeah, sounds yeah. really good. Now, did she end up dating Meatloaf? Oh, I don't think so. They they I don't think so. I um think. Yeah, they they performed this live a hell of a lot. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think so. I don't think she she was into younger dudes, you know. Sure sure could pull like a young hot dude. Well, he sort oh, that of was a young, low. fat, hot dude, wasn't he? <laughs> he was a little fatty. He's, he's a young, fat, hot yeah. dude. He was kind yeah. of had the hair and the attitude and he was very young. Isn't it funny because like. It's not like he was any up, older than Gene. Growing up as a kid, I love the music, but like seeing Meatloaf, I was just like, I didn't get it. No. I was like, he was unlike every other rock star, mate. He was. 
And and that was the thing, the persona he brought across, he got away with it though. Like yeah, he wasn't yeah. like your Elvis or your, he was just like someone that ate too many party pies and had long hair but could sing so well. It was the songs really that sold him. He's, it wasn't he's his like Jack Black, you know. Yeah, he's that's like, right. He had yes. all this fucking energy, and apparently yeah. he used to give it a nudge as well. Apparently, between this, um, the first and second album, he really hit hit it. You know, yeah. he really fucking hit the hit the good stuff. So yeah, he would. Um, they actually sort of had to wait for him to sort of get his life back on track. And yeah. this is like at the beginning of his career. They had to wait for him to get his life back on track and, and do the do the second album. But, um, yeah, great album as well, Dead Ringer, uh, that first track. Let's go to our next one now while, so we can sort of keep it moving because I'm sure you want to hear yeah, this music. absolutely. Here we go. to say I thought I'd leave you with a letter or a fiery speech like when an actor makes an exit at the end of a play And I've been dying for hours trying to fill up all the holes with some sense I'd like to know why you gave up I'd like to give you all the reasons and what everything meant Well, I could tell you goodbye or maybe see you around With just a touch of a sarcastic glance We started out with a bang and at the top of the world Now the guns are exhausted and the bullets are black See what I mean? Recognise the vo- voice, though, everyone. Mm. Barry Manilow, bit of a bit of a bit of a daggy one. We're staying true to the material. Yeah. Bit of a daggy one, Barry Manilow. Not sure about the delivery of the chorus in that one. Sort I'm not at all. I'm not at all. Dies so this in the was ass. this was um, this one came out in. So this version came out, I think, in '83. Uh, it was originally written for Meatloaf and recorded for Meatloaf. Actually, read them away. Came out, came out originally in 81, um, recorded by Meatloaf, and it was on the Dead Ringer album, uh, but oh, it wasn't yeah. a single. It wasn't a single. And then Barry Manilow came and picked it up. He sort of reworked it a little bit um, and, and rewrote some of the lyrics, and then he wrote it – sorry, he released it as part of like a greatest hit hits compilation of his and it was like one of the new tracks on this comp- compilation. And that's um, the funny thing is that you don't even think it's a meatloaf song, do yeah. you? You just go, oh, it's a song and it sounds like something but you don't yeah. put two and two together. It's quite clever songwriting where they're so close but they're so far away. And you just think, I don't know, like how much, 
Meatloaf would have absolutely ripped the top off this song. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and Barry's never been a big delivery. Nah, nah. I can't no. really think of one Barry Manilow song. Barry Manilow song that I sincerely like. <laughs> well, there is one I like, and I can never. It might be Oh Mandy. Oh Mandy. You oh, came yeah. and you am and forever. Even that chorus. Yeah. Great chorus, but he doesn't deliver yeah. it, you know. No, it's sort of like walking the you park. You could have gone ter- up an territory. octave at least or something. Just fucking put a bit of cunt into it, you know. Yeah. As my, now, as my, old, as my old singing teacher used to say. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's put cute. a bit of cunt around it, which was like, <laughs> which is like the worst the worst fucking advice that you can give. I've been doing I've been doing music lessons yeah. all week. Just what to sort mean? of get me back on track. Yeah, 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 yeah. Singing lessons. Oh, great. Just to get me back on track with um going out and doing live gigs again with mm. the band. And I hit a high D today. Oh my god, of course you did. Yeah. I haven't fucking done that since I was eighteen. Yeah. No, your body just, memory's I've, there. I found I found a technique, and it's just sort of retraining my mind how to sing properly because mm. I've, I've I had let go of a lot of my technique, and I was just like fucking screaming, you know, and and um yeah, so so I'm, you've always I'm had a great tone. It. I don't think you ever scream. It yeah, was just, you weren't no no technique though, just like yeah yeah, but you, the technique if you don't work on it will disappear. Yeah yeah yeah, true yeah um, absolutely you know it will yeah. disappear, but. Yeah. So there you go, Barry oh, Manilow. Yeah, Barry Manilow. Look, I'm not a fan, but I, I mean, Barry Manilow. The funniest thing I've ever seen is him on Will and Grace when they, um, <laughs> all hang out the front to get tickets, and then <laughs> his bouncer wants to root Will, <laughs> so he promises Will that he's going to show him Barry Manilow and introduce him if he gets a root from him. Oh, Fucking hilarious fuck. show, you know. Yeah, fucking Michelangelo. I don't that show even too. think. Barry's even in the show. They've just based it around just his music. Just sort of spoken about him. Yeah, yeah, they've spoken yeah. about him, you know. Yeah. I'll tell you what, mate. You make you get a mention in fucking Will and Grace, you know, yeah. you're fucking, you're cool. You're yeah, cool. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. But yeah. um, this next song I love, this was a really big Dance Factory tune, Dance Lessons. Oh, yeah. It was yes. a big, bit like the Phoenix Rising, like, you know, Fuck and yeah. and very Scorpio, and and uh, and it was a woman singing it as well, and she had That's the, the right. whole fault. You know, should we give this, this is, a bit of a? This is probably his second biggest collaborator. So let's do it. Yeah. All right. Here we go. This is a ripper.
Wow. Mate, what a voice. Bunny Tyler. quick too. Like it starts sort of and then it goes into something. Like it's not three or four verses before you hear how long yeah. his dick is. And it's yeah, great. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, tell people me. people had sort of longer attention spans in this period, you know. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's before fucking, it's before social media and before all that other shit and people just were able to wait and, and they wanted to enjoy things a little bit longer, you know. And this is very step ball change. You know, yes, it is. Yeah, keep change, change. This you've got to, <laughs> you've got to go back and watch this fucking film clip, guys. <laughs> it's got one of my favorite fucking eighties bits of Corey, and that's the kind of you've got one foot forward, one foot back, and you're doing the like the shoulder pump forward. Yeah, back, yeah, 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 pump, yeah, yeah, shoulder yeah, pump, yeah. Shoulder pump. They all do it. I fucking love it. It's in like the opening. Yeah, and because it's such a fucking like fast. It's a very dancing track and a lot of this is where we, uh, our girls come along and and it becomes a bit of an gay icon because it's very camp. It's very camp. And Bonnie's very camp because Bonnie's almost like a toilet brush that's a bit masculine. (laughs) She's got this Bonnie's this amazing bloody, um, this Welsh singer and she's just got this incredible voice which is like, Fucking sandpaper or something, but you would you would never think that she was going to hit the notes that she does. But she's like, yeah, she's got some so much emotion in in her voice. The Welsh are very good with delivering lyrics, like you know, um, uh, you know, Burton, you know, for one, uh, Anthony Hopkins, you know, v- like very good at delivering uh, Christian Bale, very good at delivering um, words, very good. So and I think. Tyler's did you one. meet her in the? Um Elevator that night was that you that met her in the oh, elevator no. at Crown? No, oh, okay. who was it? Been Maddie. They were doing really? uh, the Bonnie Odeon Tyler. with the fucking puppets, and Bonnie Tyler jumped in. Yeah, because she's been Fuck out here a lot. Oh, yeah, I, right, I've met right. her at Southland Shopping Centre, and I've talked about that in another podcast with. She's Don fairly Nielsen. down to earth, isn't she? Yeah, but she's got no range anymore, unfortunately. She no, can't she's sing. fucked it. Yeah, she's too yeah. many cigarettes and drinks and, and drinks, mate. She loves a drink. Mm. <laughs> but I do love that and that brings back memories for me of going to like Bartuccio's or Dance Factory in the 80s and yeah. just not being able to do the steps but you had the fucking attitude. <laughs> fucking just go for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, now this song was written for the Footloose soundtrack. Mm. It was picked up for the Foot- Footloose. That's the first time it was released. It's a big, very big part of that movie. You know, and it was actually sort of it existed solely sort of within that film before Bonnie Tyler released it a couple of years later. So, you know, huge part of Footloose. Did she um, release like, this after Total Eclipse? Or before? Uh, uh, no, it might have been before. Uh, I think it was. I think it was on the same album. I think. I think. I think. But yeah. it didn't get released as a single until after. Yeah, because I think. But, DJs were playing this off the Footloose record. Yeah. In the yeah, days that's when right. you looked upon just the singles. Yeah. And everyone yeah. loved it, but we weren't sure who she was or anything. Or Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. That yeah, yeah. Back memories. Now, Bonnie would be like a long time collaborator of, of his. Um, and we'll go on to sort of, you know, talk about other songs that they've done together. Uh, yeah. And, and, um, uh, I was, I was, 
amazed that she never did a collab with Meatloaf. I thought like a duet between them would have been um, bloody. What's his name? Meatloaf wanted to do this song. Meatloaf wanted uh. to do this song, but um, Jim Stone was like, "Nah, this is a you know, this is a chick song." And he used to sort of he used <laughs> to write singing, stuff. Meatloaf singing, "I'm holding out for a hero." Yeah. Oh, yeah. what's happening? Yeah, he used to Jim Steinman used to write stuff and then sort of that it'd be like a child to him, so he'd never sort of let it go. So like he'd he'd write something sort of like fucking five years before, and then like come across an artist and be like, "Oh, cool, we'll do it here," or or he'd release it with an artist and then still feel as if like it wasn't completely realized, and then he'd release it with another another artist. So a lot of his songs have been covered like multiple a million times. times. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll keep moving. Great track. So we'll play the next one. All right. Yeah, I hope I get the next one right, baby. It's very hard to get a chorus in one of his songs. It's like, fuck, will I play another three minutes or will I yeah, just cut it Yeah, when you here? eventually get to the chorus. Yeah. And, and he will always slow down before the chorus yeah, and yeah, like yeah. really let it leave like a yeah. big, you know, a big deal. You guys out there would have been expecting perhaps the voice of Celine Dion. No. Celine Dion. That's right, Salon Delon. It wasn't her first. Celine no. would re-record this in the nineties, but it would uh, originally be uh, released by a girl band. Well, not a girl band, but like um, you know, a girl band, uh, a girl band called Pandora's Box. Ha <laughs> 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 Love your box. <laughs> Fucking Pandora's Box. Bit of filth there. <laughs> I think this was released in eighty nine. I think originally. Uh, yeah, so there you go. But doesn't the fucking recording sound exactly what he did with Celine? Yeah. It's just she like would have, yeah, yeah, lift, yeah. Lift the vocal out, pop hers yeah. in, fucking blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Well, they were real songs, you know, and if it didn't yeah, work absolutely. with someone, you could do it again. That's right. You know? And by this time, he had sort of proved himself as a master. So Jim wouldn't have wanted, wanted to change things too much from what he had done and – 
She would have just gone with it, you know. Um, and she was an incredible singer, so it would have been I'd love to do her to do this song or whatever. It's not like she's, it's Barry Manilow. She's where an she's incredible fucking... singer. She's got an amazing range, but like, there's something about she's it that just like fucking her. shits me. Yeah, yeah, oh, fucking horrible. Fucking shits me. She's too like cardboard. Like she won't yeah. bend, and you fucking want to bend her, and she won't. She doesn't bend easily. I think she it's doesn't sway in the, she, the wind. I think it's perhaps because she was like trained so heavily so young and she's she's oh she's such a sort of I don't know she's a she's a bit of a goody two shoes and she's really daggy. She tries so daggy. to be edgy. Yeah. She tries to be edgy. Yeah. Have you ever seen she does she used to dress up with a curly black wig and a and a black leather suit with all zips in it and do Michael Jackson's bad as part and oh, do the full no. choreography in, in one her of her concerts. Rings a bell. Oh my god. You've got to Google it and watch <laughs> it on YouTube. The footage I'll put of her it in our notes. Yep. doing bad. It were it's like watching your aunt or your mum do it at one of your parties. Yeah. And you just want to fucking die on the floor from embarrassment. It's so cringy. Oh my god, even now ugh, I'm bl- I'm blushing fucking yeah, thinking I'm about it. I'm not a fan. I'm not anyway, a fan. Anyway. Now tell me about She's incredible, Celine. Jim's personal life. Was he a bit fucking was he a chick magnet? I don't know anything about it. Like why is he writing such Fucking victimy songs. Was he? You know what I mean. Like he's really analysing love and. I, I really think he was all about story. He was all about sort of. Was he uh, married though, or did he not get married? Or I think he was married. I don't know a lot about his personal life. I don't know a lot about mm. it. But he was sort of. He was very um, not obsessed, but he was very sort of drawn to, uh, sort of. Uh, songs being like a complete journey, not yeah. just a little kind of moment, but a complete fucking journey through the character's existence. So he would have them, he would have the the fucking guy and the girl see each other at the beginning, and then they'd meet, they'd have this love affair, they they'd run into trouble, and then they'd fucking reconcile. You know, like he would, it would span sort of right across. So, mm. yeah, really interesting guy. I don't know an incredible lot about him, and I didn't mm. want to just sort of do, I just didn't want to fucking read shit, you know, off off online. But mm. but um, he. In a lot of interviews and stuff, and especially because he has just passed away and a lot of the artists that he's collaborated with have spoken about what what, a, what kind of guy he was, they've all said that he was just like an absolute sweetheart. He was like a child at heart. Um, for him, sort of, there was no difference between opera and rock music. Yeah. Uh, it was all just music and quality to him. And I, I just love... Those personalities that don't judge, it's just all a joy, you know, like it's just all a complete joy and and uh, and that was like the key to like why people wanted to work with him. Uh, yeah. He was, he's just so beautiful to work with apparently. Yeah, a lot of the time when people are repressed from love or or relationships or they, 
can't find someone, they do write really good songs because yeah, yeah. they're trying to live out their fantasy. Yeah. Be a good I don't, chart to I don't, look at actually. I, I agree with that, with with like say maybe like something like Phil Collins or something like that. But I don't get a sense of repression from this guy. Like I get a, I get a sense of like just complete you don't, you don't reckon he wouldn't have been dumped 50 times at high school? He sounds like he's been dumped a lot. I don't know. I me. think he um until he learned he how to play piano. Been, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good point, isn't it? Because like he might have been a piano like the, dude. The piano is like such a fucking huge element in all of his songs. If you were to say yeah. what's the sort of through line, it would be the you know the, yeah. the fucking big and big we all vampy know pianos. Keyboard players are fucking weird at the best of times. <laughs> um, so that's right. We just, I mean. Maybe he just studied piano and, and he sounds like he's very Piscean to me. Yeah, right, right. Very Pisces. And well, November thing, 1, what's that? That's Scorpio, I think. He's oh, a God. Scorp. Oh, well, that expresses itself through the music, don't you Very think? deadly. I think it's Scorp. I may be wrong. I can't really. Yeah. I'm so tired I can't think at the moment. But, um, yeah, Scorpio is intense. One more little fun fact about It's All Coming Back to Me now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Meatloaf, Meatloaf had his eye on it for years because it was sort of written, you know, years before. Once again, he wanted to do it as well. And they always planned together on doing the Bat Out of Hell albums as a as a trilogy. Trilogy, yeah. So they're always going to do it. was big in the 70s it. though, wasn't it? Absolutely. They were always going to do it. Um, they were going to do the second one and then they are going to do the third one, yeah. So he – he was a meatloaf was always going to do um I could do anything for love that he released in fucking what was it 92 or 93 or something from that second album that was always going to be the big sort of carrier you know the big sort of carrier hit for that album and meatloaf always had in mind that he wanted to do it's all coming back to me now for the third one so yeah, he right. was quite fucked off when Celine Dion released um, released "It's All Coming Back to Me" in in the early nineties as well because he he wanted it. That was going to be the big sort of carry hit, and I think it actually was. Yeah, I think um, I think he did record it for that third album. I'll just double yeah, check yeah. that now. Meatloaf. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm just yeah. going to look up Jimmy's astrology. He's definitely a Scorpio. Which explains a lot. Scorpios, fucking, they're just full on. Yeah. I've just got to find. Scorps. Do you know what? You, hang on. How do you spell his name? 47. Oh, okay. S-T-E-I-M. Steinman. So Meatloaf did release that uh, for the third Bad Out of Hell album, by the way, in 2000 and... Yeah, it was late. Six. Six, yeah. And uh, he did it as a duet with a with a chick called Marion Raven. There you go. So f- there you go, Celine. Sorry about that. Absolutely. Oh, he's got mm. Libra in his seventh house, so it's all about relationships. Relationships. Loves it. I knew this um, – I met this uh, French guy who used to take the piss out of the Aussie accent and he said like, what do – why do – you know, what do Australians – they always say uh, relationships. Oh, yeah. He reckoned he reckon our, our, our entire accent was contained in the way that we say relationships. <laughs> really? 
Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, oh. that made me laugh. Of course. <laughs> ah. Very true. Yeah. Yeah, so um, he was definitely a Scorpio. Now, being born on the 1st of November is a 111. It's 1st of the 11th. Uh, That's always yeah. pretty powerful. Uh, yeah. But oh, I wonder how he was. Oh, the Scorpio stellium in the 8th house. So he, hmm, yeah, well, having other people in his life to make money like Meatloaf and Bonnie Tyler and stuff, the 8th house is all about other people's money and his son was in there. So these people would have meant a lot to him. Um, yeah. You know, and Neptune, Neptune in his 7th house, which is relationships with your lovers and stuff and other people, yeah. Neptune's all about Pisces, so he's very Piscean in what he would have dreamt about that really wasn't there at all, you know what I mean? Okay. So this is where this songwriting comes where he's taking you on this journey. This fantasy. This fantasy, but then there's all this Leo, there's a Leo stellium in there which is all that meatloafy big hair kind of big boy but, you oh, know, yeah. chicks love to root him apparently, that kind of shit. Oh. Okay. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, full of scorps. Very exciting. Mm, very nice. But uh, I wish that was my reading. That. Yeah, no, he's, he's um Yeah, he's got a couple of weird things, but mm. yeah, a lot of lot of lot going between the Leo and the Scorpio and the Neptune in the seventh house. When you've got something in your seventh house, mate, it can just affect you for your whole life. And Fuck. Neptune in the seventh house, it's he's just made to write romantic Songs, especially yeah, in Libra, yeah. which it's balanced. So he would have balanced the story out that was all even and then it all made sense, you know. There we go. So he's definitely okay. tapped into your, your 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 person that really hasn't had a relationship yet that's sort of like okay. a soap opera, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like well, watching The Bold and the Beautiful but in the music. Yeah, and that's yeah, where absolutely. that would have come, like a Mills and Boons sort of Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, he would have loved yeah. all that shit. That all sounds really accurate, doesn't it? Yeah, like Seventh House is full of – and when I said he sounds like a Piscean, that's where the uh, Pisces comes into. Because Pisces – When the moon is in the seventh house. And Jupiter aligns with Mars. Yeah. We are nearly at the age of Aquarius sort of in a little way. Fuck so do you want to play on. the next one? Yes. Okay, here we go. Hopefully I get this one. I know just how to whisper And I know just how to cry I know just where to find the answers And I know just how to lie I know just how to fake it And I know just how to scheme I know just when to face the truth And then I know just when to dream And I know just where to touch you And I know just what to prove I know when to pull you closer And I know when to let you loose And I know the night is fading And I know the time's gonna fly And I'm never gonna take it I know just where to touch you 
Oh, he must have been on the internet. See, oh, he must have been watching porn because no one had bloody air supply. My mum and my mum brought me an air supply oh, tape at thirteen oh, for did my she? birthday. Wow. And I wanted to kill myself so oh, badly no, because really? I said, "Mum, I don't ever, ever, ever want to listen to Air Supply." And she said, "Oh, no. oh darling, you'll appreciate it when you get older." And I went, oh, "I won't. Oh, I know oh. I won't. I know I won't." Yeah, That's yeah, I remember. That's like reason to fucking not listen to it again. I think one you'll, of my tapes. You'll appreciate it when you're older yeah. and you've had your heart broken a yeah. few times. No, I knew Jesus. I wouldn't. I only like no. one Air Supply song and that's Love and Other Bruises, which is a fucking great song. Oh. See, I don't mind, I don't know a lot about Air Supply apart from fucking I'm all out of love. Yeah. I'm so about you. You know, yeah. like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even then I've only got like a bit of a sense of it, as you can tell. But, but um, yeah, it's so, it's, it's so wet, isn't it? Like the, it's so sort of like. Dripping wet with like earnestness, you know, like all, yeah. all of their music, you know. And I yeah. had no idea that they're Australian. Yeah, yeah, huge. Like so, LRB. one guy's one guy's British and one guy's Australian, and they were formed here in like seventy five or something. Yeah, I used to go to singing lessons with the little singer, the short black oh. hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was tiny, so short. Yeah. And oh, he wow. just ended up at our singing class and I shit myself because my yeah. mum had given me the tape only six months before and then all of a sudden this cunt's in my singing lesson. Oh, As a kid, 13, you're like, what's you're like, going what on? Because you don't know what a lot, you don't know how <laughs> this has happened. Uh, how has this pop star ended up in my – because I did group classes, which yeah. was a total waste of fucking time uh, because you can't hear anyone separately. But it was good to sing songs in front of. Yeah. Um, but I think his niece or someone used to come as well and he came along to check out what the teacher was like and then she left that next week because like, oh, the teacher shit. was shit. Yeah. Oh, God. He was just keeping an eye on us. And, and I totally know what he meant. But, yeah, yeah no, I, I air supply, vi- oh, I don't know. They, they were a huge money earner for Australia, yeah, huge. Okay. In I didn't realise but in um, – uh, yeah, I had no fucking idea. They got, they got. I remember them getting it um, inducted into the hall of the um, Aria Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and going what? Like yeah. I, I, I was like, what? I couldn't believe they were Australian. I, I didn't really know what they were. I thought they might be American, but New yeah, Zealand. So there you go. Yeah. 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 There well, they go. were sort I, of like LRB, where they went over to America and made a fortune. Yeah, yeah, Americans right, right. love them. Yeah, yeah. All right, beautiful. I don't want to spend too much time on air supply because they're mind-numbingly boring. Yeah. Um, but it That's does lead right. me to my final point, which we're going to break up with a one-dick wonder. Yeah. Now, this song, bloody, what's, what's it called, that one again, the fucking air supply one? Making love out of nothing played. at all. Mate, that's right. That's right. This was hell back. This was like the, this was like Air Supply's last big hit. Um, yeah. It went to number two and it would have gone to number one, 
but oh. for one other Jim Steinman song, and we're going to play that in a moment. But first, we've got a one dick wonder. We do. Yeah. Do you want to have one a dick listen? wonder? Who's our one dick wonder? Let's have a listen, guys. This the most. Do you really? Yeah. That's fantastic. Great. I really do. Now, guys, you, you'd have to be a big Jim Steinman fan to remember this bloke. His name was Rory Dodd. He's our one dick wonder for this week. Rory Dodd was a longtime collaborator with uh, Jim Steinman. Jim would use him as a backing singer on fucking everything he did. So everything you can think of Jim Steinman Rory Dodd did like a backing vocal on it. He had his own band. Um, he was a Canadian singer. Had his own band. This um, The song that we just played was like um, one of his solo projects and pro- possibly his, his biggest hit. Um, but you may know Rory Dodd from one big song I'll mention in a moment. Um, Rory Dodd, you are our one dick wonder. What do we say to our one dick wonder? Nice, nice one, one, dick. dick. It yeah. sounds a little bit like ELO, and I don't know why I get an e- The oh, production's yeah. very soft. Yes. It's yeah, not yeah, as harsh yeah. and duck the goom. It's not like yeah. Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. And I remember no, hearing right. this on a radio station when I was younger. A lot of the times yeah. when I took a crap as a kid, we had an outside <laughs> toilet. Ah. Uh. Yeah. So I remember thinking when the radio was on and I was taking a crap as a kid, I wonder if I'll ever remember this time when I'm older. Sure enough, I do. <laughs> and these were one of those and, songs. Uh, but yeah. you never thought you were going to be fucking doing it live on air. No, I never bet. thought I'd go. I used to take a crap. I used to take, it was a spiritual thing for me to take a crap. <laughs> it is. And, and then, um, you know, like the songs on the radio were very curiosity killed the cat and I'd just go into my own headspace. And think, I wonder if I'm ever going to remember sitting on the outside toilet. And I do because I did it every fucking week. (laughs) Any song. Any Uh, song that was big. Fuck, that's funny. It was like I tuned in or something around the time on the toilet. And you just took like a little mental photograph and. Your little mental photograph. Yeah. 
and then went uh, on, you know. But I like awesome. that one. Good on you, Rory. Now, mm. our one dick wonder. We've done our one dick wonder and we've f- made it to our final song. I mentioned mm. before, I mentioned before that Air Supply was stopped from going to number one by one other Jim Steinman <laughs> song. What a fucking effort. I think it was 83. I think it was 83 when these songs, 83, let me double check because I'd hate to fucking you I know, think it finish is, up yeah. on some misinformation. <laughs> but um, it was yeah, early. 83. It yeah. was 83. So um, Esplar at number two. At number one was Bonnie Tyler. Every now and then I get a little bit lonely and you're never coming around. Turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit tired of listening to the sound of my tears. Turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit nervous that the best of all the years have gone by. Turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit terrified and then I see the look in your eyes. Fucking song, huh? Oh, do you reckon that was Rory in the background? That was Rory. It was a, it basically a duet between Bonnie Tyler and Rory Dodd. Right. That's the male vocal. Right. And you would think being such a huge song that we, you know, Rory Dodd would be a household name. But there you go. It's mm. Rory Dodd, guys. What a fucking hit. What a huge song. Huge song. This was... This is a huge karaoke song as well. Like this is sort of, oh. this is one of the most requested karaoke songs in history. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I fucking love this song. I ache for My it. My old man loved it as well. I loved the video. Oh, yeah. That's the, ver- the video. And that's um, Russell Mulcahy. Yeah, yes, He it did is. the video. Yeah. So I loved the, because when the dove flies up in the air, yes. she mini looks like a dove with her hairstyle and pointy nose. <laughs> with so her as a wings kid, fucking with a with fucking nightgown on, and I'd look at her and go, <laughs> "Wow, they've really manifest that dove really well." Like I remember thinking as a kid, going, "She looks like a dove," and she's got like a sort of beaky little fucking mouth, beaky beak. She? Yeah, fucking yeah. she has. <laughs> um, but yeah, big huge hit for him. 
Fuck. This, the, the, the clip is incredible as well. Like with all the sort of blowing kind of curtains and sashes and shit. Like yeah. it's all really misty as well. Yeah. It's fucking the craziest clip, mate. It's like a School fucking School kids with glowing eyes. That's right. You've got the dudes coming up the stairs in the leathers. I wish it was to my place, <sighs> Look, but no. Russell Mulcahy did everything in his to make it homoerotic. You know. Yeah, yeah. Loves that it. was the way to go, mate. Loves That's what it. you did. And we didn't yeah. know what that was then. That's it right. Was like, That's just what you did. Oh, is that what men, grown yeah. men, oh, perving this, on little boys, opening this is the door? Exciting. The door yeah. just flies open, and the school kids are in there. It was very yeah. full on. And the, I remember my dad analysing it. You know, as a kid. Oh, yeah, I don't know about yeah. those schoolboys with the glowing eyes and, you know, the teacher walking in on them and shit. He used yeah. to think about it a lot. And That was, uh, that was the outtakes that they included, the teacher yeah. walking in on me. <laughs> ah, we'll put it uh, in. We'll cut out no. the rude bits and we'll put it in. Can't wait for we, we can get wind machines and some satin sheets. Fuck yeah, absolutely. That's going to be Now, what great. a hit. Total eclipse of the heart, mate. This has been... This is like part of pop culture, this song, obviously. But, I mean, it's right – it's been used in like hun- like so many films that I can think of um, and referred to in, in so many other songs and, and uh, TV shows, films. Yeah, incredible, amazing song. This really – this really sort of consolidated Bonnie. And, it, mm. and this song is like the – the quintessential quint, quintessential Jim Steinman song. Yeah. Big operatic, goes fucking ages. There's like two parts to it as well. So it gets to a point and it all really softens and then it fucking comes back. Like, yeah. you know when at the end it's she does the, the face like, with its foot. I really need you tonight. Yeah. She all does that shit at the yeah. end. Oh, full on, Yeah, mate. And it was yeah. also my girlfriend um, who's on the record company with me, Nikki French, brought it out. Oh, 1998 yes. and it went number one again with Nikki French. Fuck. And it financed that whole record company. Holy so shit. They, yeah, yeah. She, the, uh, the boys wanted, Gary and, and Dave wanted Nikki to put out. I think Nikki had, I she wanted, don't know They wanted her to, to put out. Him. No, she wouldn't put out and they wouldn't oh. want her to put out. Um, okay. I think. Nikki did chess or something, like as a singer, and then oh, yeah. they said, you should do Total Eclipse of the Heart. It's about time that was released again. And it went number one. And when ah. Jim died, Nikki put, she was really sad about it because oh, that wow. was the start of her solo career, you know. Yeah, yeah. Fucking amazing. But, yeah. Well, there you go, guys. Please go and mm. investigate the rest of Jim Steinman's uh, musical releases. He did amazing stuff in the 90s. He, um, you know, really lifted with Celine Dion. He won, I think, a uh, Grammy with the stuff that he did with Celine. Mm. Um, so it was great that he was sort of, you know, recognised award-wise as well. Uh, he, he collaborated with heaps of people, like so many songs just pouring out of him. And he used to sort of like... A lot of his song titles is like idioms and cliches and stuff like, mm. you know, bad out of hell, two out of three ain't bad. You know, they, they were sort of existing sayings and he would like build a whole universe around them, you know, like just just in, incredible. Amazing, beautiful guy by all accounts and I hope you've enjoyed this little, uh, yeah. you know, trip through his music of the 80s and please look at the stuff that he did 
you know, in the 90s, in the noughties and you look at the stuff that he did with Andrew Lloyd Webber, like really incredible. Yeah. yeah. Good on you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Fantastic. So. Do we want to talk about any shows we got coming up? Maybe Aubrey. Let's Aubrey do a little spooky spooky. Aubrey will be the week after this comes out. And you can buy tickets at the door, Aubrey. So, you know. This will be- come out. This will come out and then we'll do, be doing Aubrey this weekend. So, Actually, this so comes you've out got, tomorrow, yeah. You've got two days to buy tickets, guys. No, no, no. like that. No? No, One this will day. come out today. This show right. will come out this week. Oh, uh, oh yes, of course. Yeah, so it'll be I the next week. So, yeah, I know, mate. Next week will be Aubrey. So you'll be able to buy tickets at the door. A lot of people are going to do that. But yes. try and get the good seats up the front. What's the theatre called in case the people Aubrey don't know? The Aubrey Entertainment Centre. Wonderful. Nothing mm. less. Rewind 80s. The Mixtape we'll Tour. Now, yeah. guys, the Mixtape Tour, it's going to be a lot of fun. Get in there and, and have a go. It's been a long time in COVID. Get out there, buy a ticket, exactly. have some fucking fun. What else are you going to do with your life? Thanks for listening to the show. If you love the 80s montage, please invite your friends to have a listen. Please like, share, rate and review. Subscribe to as many medium as you can. Follow us. Yeah. Uh, we're on Spotify, iTunes, all of that. We're also, we've got our own website, the80smontage.com for mm-hmm. all things 80s montage, just to mm-hmm. keep completely up to date. And please come and see if, see us live with Rewind 80s, singing all the hits from the 80s, guys. Mm. We got some ripping Important new to songs become a Patreon as well. It is. Oh, we do too, don't we? Yeah. Mm. Hey, become a Patreon, guys. If you love the show and you haven't already, become a Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. It's really not much. You become part of the family when you become part of the Patreon. We yeah. really appreciate every little bit of support. And you, there are all different tiers that you get all different things. I think for, you know, five bucks a month, Sammy gives you a hand job. Bloody $10 a month. $10 a month, you get all the extra episodes, which we've just gone and uh, recorded one then. We have. So, um, you know, even a dollar a month, though, that's a fucking bonus. Yeah. Good on you guys. Absolutely. And a huge thank you to all our patrons. We love you very much. You're our best friends. Good on you. Absolutely. You keep. Getting there. And a lot of them are coming to our gigs as well, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. Come and that. sit up front. We'll fucking make a big deal out of yes, you. Yes, that's right. I'll tell you right. what, come and have a drink and a ciggy with Sammy after the show. You'll fucking yeah. love it. Good on you guys. This is Jay Jovi. This is Sammy Hart on. This is the 80s montage. And if it's music, music mateys, mateys. Or cool, or cool shit, shit from the 80s. From the 80s. We're going to talk about it. Unreal, baby.